0: Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. All right, people will only do something when it's in their own best interest and aligns with our values. This is a key takeaway for me from the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There by Marshall Goldsmith. Now, we talk a lot about aligning with values when hiring on this show, and almost everyone recognizes the importance, but it is often missed. Still, why? First, the disdain that most of us have or we share for hiring. Very few entrepreneurs that I meet enjoy the process of interviewing or hiring, but it is the single most important activity that you can get good at that will make the biggest impact in your organization? Second, the path of least resistance is easy, and we all take it, but it's almost always the wrong path. We must remember that the purpose of the interview is to get to the truth about the person, no matter the source. And the truth you need to know is not in the skills, but in the positioning and value alignment of the individual. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires, we do so by sharing insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Bruce Watanabe. He is the co-founder and CEO of PowerBuy. Now, Bruce is a serial entrepreneur whom has co-founded a number of technology and internet ventures, including PowerBuy, Mass Genie, Sire Mobile, and SETA International with over 20 years of leadership experience ranging from startups to Fortune 10 companies is proficient in corporate strategy, business development, sales, and channel development. He's actively building power set from the ashes of a pivot and is here to share his wisdom with us today, which is what makes Bruce the perfect expert for today's topic. Bruce, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today.
1: Thank you for having me, Rick. It's
0: great to have you. I know you're feeling a little under the weather like most of us as well, but you just got back from Hawaii. I did.
1: Can't complain.
0: <laughs> All right. So We're going to talk about why it's important to prioritize the one thing that you hate most, the interviewing process. And then we're going to talk about how to balance it with all the other numerous things that you have to do, especially when you're trying to do a fundraise and making it easier on yourself to get that fundraise. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. All right, perfect. So share with me, if you could, Bruce, a little bit about some of the challenges that you've found in this environment where you're rebuilding a startup now and you're doing a fundraise.
1: Yeah, so one of the things with any startups is you're kind of balancing between launching a product, generating the sales and revenue and metrics that you need while fundraising, and they go both hand in hand. And if you don't have the revenue or metrics, then you're not going to close any funding round, whether it's a seed round, series A, series B, et cetera. But at the end of the day, the common denominator is the people, because if you don't have the right people on your team that can complement your weaknesses or that can complement what you need to accomplish to close any funding round, uh, you're not going to be able to do it. So as a CEO of a company, I'm always out there speaking with investors, speaking with venture capital people to uh, basically fundraise so that I can continue to fuel my company, but at the same time, I need a team in place to generate the metrics, the sales and revenue that the VCs require so that I can basically close out the funding round. So it's always a balancing act between fundraising, Generating a metrics and it all revolves around having the right people in place to help you accomplish that.
0: God, it's funny that you say that because last week I saw a post that somebody put up. I forgot where it was, it was on one of the social media platforms. Essentially they were talking about how they were able to raise a hundred thousand dollars with a 10 minute phone call without having any product or any traction. But as you got deeper into the article, it was an established team of four people that have worked together before. <laughs> And they've had a success prior, right? Yeah, there's
1: always something behind the scenes. Like I think I mentioned this to you, Rick, like Airbnb, they pivoted eight times before they even went public. So every start, they always have their uh, battle wounds and, and not everything is what it seems to be from the outside. There's always pivots, pros and cons, et cetera, going through a startup.
0: All right. So let's talk a little bit about the challenge of building a team because you're building remotely. Yes. You're building globally at the same time. Right. And you're raising funding. Talk about some of those challenges that you're having just on the remote side of things.
1: So right now, my company is headquartered in Irvine, California, but I've got operations in a number of Asian countries. One is in Vietnam, one is in the Philippines, and we just expanded into Singapore and Indonesia. And with every single country has different sets of cultural differences, expectations, et cetera. Fortunately, my Vietnam and the Philippines office reports up into my CTO, who is based here in Southern California. And one of the key differences between the U.S. office and our Asian operations is a lot of my employees overseas are much younger. They're probably in their mid-20s. They're very energetic. They're very committed, but they need adult supervision. So because of that gap, my CTO, my co-founder is able to fill in that gap and they take instruction from there. Right now, we just recently expanded into Singapore and Indonesia. Same, I have a bunch of young employees over there, very energetic. And we found a ex-IBMer that used to run sales for Asia Pacific for one of the IBM brands. So we brought him in, fortunately. He just got hired on January 3rd. His name is Michael Wahlberg. And he'll be there to fill in the gaps in terms of adult supervision per se.
0: You have boots on the ground in those various locations, but you're still managing people remote, right? You're not gonna actually have people that are going to an office.
1: No, it's all remote. Pre-COVID, we had an office in all the countries, including the US, but now everyone's working remotely because of the whole COVID situation. So everything's managed remotely.
0: Yeah, it's funny, because my office building, they're probably sitting at 30% capacity.
1: It's great to be in tech, right? Because at the end of the day, we can all work remotely. And most of my employees in Asia are basically engineering, engineering and software development. So as long as they can continue to be in front of a computer and write code for us, that's all that matters to us at HQ.
0: So let's talk about that team. You've got yourself, you have a co-founder, and then you've got two other kind of leaders that are... Yes. How are you able to identify those leaders as being the people that best align with your organization and be able to bring them into the fold? So
1: they all came through referrals, both the head of uh, Asia PAC and the head of US. And for me, like it's interview is very dreadful for me. I'm not very good at it. Even though I tried in the past, I hired the wrong people because I'm pretty sure I'm not really good at interviewing. So a lot of the people that came to us that helped fill in the gaps for my organization came through referrals. And for me, it throughout my entire career and my entrepreneurship journey, I basically relied on referrals because of the fact that the people that refer the employees to me have vouched for them, had a previous experience doing business or working with them in the past.
0: It's really great, though, that you're willing to admit that you are you hate interviewing, which I mentioned at the top of the show. I don't think I'm really good at it, to be honest. With you. If you think about it, it's one of the least taught things. I mean, you don't go to college. They never teach you how to interview. You can get resources on how to go to an interview and potentially do okay with the traditional kind of interview process. But nobody teaches you how to set up an interview process or run it or even what to look for. I've talked to numerous CEOs where it comes down to, well, we make the decision based on whether or not we want to have a beer with the person at the end of the day, which is all well and good. It doesn't give you any certainty that person's going to be a good hire for you.
1: Yeah. And you can't base it on a one hour meeting with, a new individual. And for me as an entrepreneur and as a CEO, I literally base my decisions on my intuition. So if I have one hour with a person, I'm basically basing my decision on my intuition, like all my other decisions in my company. A lot of times, sometimes my intuition is incorrect.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have to be filling your gut up with the right information. There's a lot of stats out there that say that you've already made a decision within the first five to 10 minutes. The rest of the interview is just you looking for confirmation as to whether or not that decision is the correct one.
1: Correct. And a lot of times I basically make decisions, not just on intuition alone, but if I can get along with the person. But just because my intuition says hire the person, just because that I can get along with that person doesn't mean that they're going to fill in the gaps that I need in my organization, right? So a lot of times it can go against me.
0: Yeah. It doesn't mean that's what the business needs.
1: And it has gone against me in the past.
0: All right, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridessearch.com. There you'll find a link to order Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your guide to landing the strongest talent for your companies. Our guest today is Bruce Watanabe, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Power Buy. And we're talking about kind of balancing those first hires, getting the right people on the bus so that when it gets to that capital raise, it's easy for those investors to write that check. Correct. Well, you brought up some great points and thank you for sharing those. I think there's a lot of entrepreneurs that are out there that are willing to admit that they hate interviewing, but nobody really admits they're not good at it. They don't want to be good at it. But I think it's the most important thing that if we can prioritize getting good at interviewing, interview is what takes you through to the hire, prioritize getting good at interviewing, just think of the people you can pull in.
1: Yeah, because for any startup Yeah, if you have a great product, product is a major asset for any startup, right? But at the end of the day, it's the people. For me, the most important asset for any startup, including my own, is the people around me and the people that work in the company. And they're the ones that are going to help you drive the business and move the company forward. So people, in my opinion, is the number one asset in any startup or any enterprise.
0: I'm a huge proponent of being values-driven, the way in which you lead the company through your values, that's how you make decisions. It makes it that much easier to get people that align with the organization. Correct. There's only three things you really need to put in place. Understanding your values and making sure that everybody else understands them, having a process, and then being able to gain evidence to support whether or not you're making the right decision.
1: And sometimes people forget, or I forget, that people are the number one asset in my company because of the fact that I'm so busy raising financing meeting investors, meeting venture capital, traveling different places to attract new capital to continue to fuel my company, but not realizing that it's the people, right? That help you generate the revenue, generate the sales, generate the metrics that will help you get that financing and meet the expectations from these VCs. And throughout the past, like 18 months, I must've met a hundred VCs from Silicon Valley, all to the Southeast Asia because of our expansion plan. And knowing that people are the key to helping me close that financing round.
0: it's just as important with investors too right like you want to get investors that align with your values as well because they're going to make the right introductions give you that leg up to make sure that you're going to be successful
1: right but at the end of the day you can have you know a lot of people on your deck with the people with expertise and cred- credentials right when they start doing due diligence and they start going to your data room it's all about the metrics. It's all about the data. It's about the sales and revenue. If you don't have that, you know, they're not going to cut you a check and give you that term sheet that you need. So yes, you know, the credentials and, and, you know, your profile is the first kind of layer of defense. But once they start going to due diligence, it's the data and the metrics that needs to basically be there. And it's the people that help you get that metrics and data.
0: All right, let's break this down for our audience, like how we can actively fix this problem. They can plug this into their business. I'm going to insert a little of my expertise here. I think taking an active role in interviewing as a co-founder, founder, leader, and getting good at it is, I think, the most crucial thing that you can do. And there's lots of resources out there to get good at it. And if not, find somebody who is really good at it and let them put process in place.
1: Absolutely agree with that to help fill in the gap, right?
0: (laughs) There's really two key components to this is one, understanding the person who's in front of you. I see quite often hires are made a lot of times based on assumptions as opposed to evidence. So-and-so might've referred this person to us. We like that person, they work out well. And so let's just make the hire. You do have a better chance of that being a good hire because it comes to referral, but it's still, it's not 100%. No, it's not maybe it's about 55, 60%. And you probably would know your numbers or your data much better than I would. When you seek to understand people and you have fun with it, I think even if you spend more time understanding the people who are across the desk from you, it puts you in a position where that action filters down through the organization. So then it allows you to poke holes and dig deep and allows other people to do the same thing to make sure that people that you are bringing in are going to align with the values.
1: Correct. And a lot of times, even though a friend of mine or or an associate referred that person, that they may have referred that person because they get along with the person, right? And they made that recommendation because of that, but they may not fit within my organization. So although I've taken a lot of people through referrals, it was sometimes I failed because of the fact that that referral came from that person that actually worked well and they voted well in the past, but it may not go well within my organization and the culture that I have built within my company referrals may not work and may work at the same time.
0: I think that's the dangerous assumption. This person comes as a referral, so we should just hire them. You're hitting the nail on the head there. And you know, the key to that is positioning. What is this person positioned to really do? What is it that they desire out of their career? A lot of times we look for passion in people, right? What somebody desires is, is what their passion is. There's a correlation between those two. So if what they wanna do is what your company is, now you're that much farther ahead of the game. But a lot of times you get referrals from people because so-and-so is looking for a job and you just don't want to be in a position where you're a paycheck.
1: And that's something that you definitely do not want, especially running a startup venture. Like for me, in my current venture, I've had to pivot the business once in the past. And if I had employees that were just working for the paycheck, I would have never been able to pivot and be able to kind of continue on this path of power buy. So for sure, as an entrepreneur startup, I highly suggest surrounding yourself with not just people that have great credentials and great experience, but also have that entrepreneurship spirit and grit. So in case that the startup may have to pivot, you have your leadership team or employees, et cetera, that can help you pivot with you and they can understand that there's risk associated with it.
0: That is a really good point. Say that again. Without having the right people, you can't pivot.
1: Absolutely. And the start. I mean, to be honest with you, there's never a home run. There's never an overnight success. And whoever says that is, is ESing, you know, right? So for every startup, there's got to be pivots. There's got to be changes. There's got to be, you know, and you got to move quick. And you got to have that team in place so that they can basically absorb that kind of the drawbacks and the cons the negativity that goes on with startups. And fortunately, I have a great co-founder that can absorb, that can understand that. And it has kind of shared the experience and ride with me at the same time since
0: inception. See, and that's, that's a great thing to have. When you've got a great co-founder, it makes it that much easier. The solo entrepreneurs are the ones that have the tough time. Correct. <laughs> but sometimes
1: solo entrepreneurs may be the right path because if you do not have a co-founder that doesn't have the grit that doesn't have the experience to go through that pivot, it might blow back on you uh, from a negative perspective, for sure.
0: That's the situation that I see most often where the biggest mistake is made is they bring on somebody as a co-founder who's not really a co-founder. They're not really positioned to be a co-founder. They're just kind of in between things. So how do we bring in the right team?
1: How am I doing it? Well, for me, I'll keep on going back to referrals. The people that I have around me, have either worked with me in the past, in my previous companies, or came through from my advisory board. I have a pretty deep advisory board based in the States and as well as in Asia. And they have brought me the people that I have surrounding me to help lead the company.
0: So that's a really good point. Build a deep advisory board.
1: Yes. Advisory board is very crucial in any startups because they are there to support you, help you, and also be able to p- help you pivot the business. Because Although this is my fifth company, I failed a number of times, and I always need people to basically validate the decisions that I'm making for my company. One of them is the pivot that I had to do a couple of years ago. You know, Without my advisory board and my board of directors, I would not have been able to pivot and take this new course of action for my company.
0: That's such a great point. And look, it's not that hard to build a good board of advisors. I mean, you can reach out to people. There are a lot of really good people on the sidelines right now, as we've all heard from the great resignation, right? Correct. They're actively passive in potentially wanting to be an advisor or you know, join a startup later on down the road. But there's a lot of really good people there that can help you out in this journey. I think I learned that from Lori Torres. She was saying, like, if you don't ask a lot of people for help, you're messing up. You never
1: know. Like for me, I would have never know. Like one of my board advisors, his name is David Mason at Nashville. Like, I don't know anyone in Nashville, right? The reason why I brought him on as advisor board is one of the VCs that we were in discussions with pre-pivot was based in Nashville. And because of that, I was able to meet David because he was one of the people that was tasked to do due diligence. And after uh, meeting him, I decided to develop a pretty good relationship with David. And I brought him on as a board of advisors. And hence, David is on my board and has helped our business, even after the pivot.
0: That's outstanding. Bring in the right team. I mean, that's like really the first step. What would be the next thing that you would recommend? Bringing
1: the right team and making sure that they all are in line with the vision and mission of the company. If they're not aligned with the vision and mission of the company, and like you said, Rick, if they're just after a
0: paycheck, you don't have the right team. Yeah, you need to find that out way before you hire them.
1: Correct, correct. And once you got the right team and you got the right vision and you got the right mission in place, then all you got to do is step back. And that's what I do. I just literally step back and let my team do the work. And I'm just there. Basically, you know, being the front of the company and meeting investors. But without my team, it's very difficult for me to do what I do. I'm still going through it. I'm not saying, you know, we I'm a home run as of yet. We're on the right track, but we're definitely not there yet.
0: Yeah, it's a journey, right?
1: It is an absolute journey. All
0: right, Chief, Bruce, we're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today?
1: Before you start a company, make sure that you have a great co-founder. If you are going to have a co-founder in place and make sure that co-founder that you're bringing on is able to experience pain, experience pivots, and they're not here to just collect a paycheck and, you know, collect money. And then also, if you do bring on a friend as a co-founder, just be prepared to lose that friend. I don't want to scare any new entrepreneurs out there, but you have to be prepared to lose a friend if you are going to bring a friend into your venture.
0: I can attest to that. I've done that. All right. Perfect. Well, Bruce, thanks so much for your time and investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which uh, members of the audience can find you, find your company?
1: My company is PowerBuy. So you can go to powerbuy.app to go to our website. Anyone can contact me directly at bruce at powerbuy.app.
0: Perfect. And that is my email address. All right. I highly encourage you guys to check that out. Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, we're listening to show's for you. So we want to continue to make this show that much better for you in the upcoming year. You can join the higher power radio community at higher H I R E Power P O W E R Radio R A D I O dot com, or you can drop me an email at RicketstrideSearch dot com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Matt Dubois. He is the co-founder and CEO of ChargeZoom. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha.
1: Thank you for listening to
0: Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard. Cheer up.